Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, June 26, 2022. It focuses on Jesus' words concerning false teachers and false prophets. The message to all who will listen is watch out so you are not deceived. Now here is Pastor Mike Neifert. God, thank you that Jesus has made a way for us to be with you. Made a way for a holy God to restore unholy men and women to fellowship. In fact, that you have made a way for us to be adopted into your family, Father. And we cry out to you as we did last week, Abba, thank you. Help us. I pray, God, that your word would accomplish your purposes in this place today as it always does. Not because of me, but because of you. May your spirit speak today and say the things that need to be said. In Jesus' name, amen. True or false? When you hear those words, you kind of know what's coming, don't you? You're going to hear a statement read or... You're going to read a statement, and you're going to have to know, or more likely guess, if you didn't study, whether that statement is, well, whether it's true or false. No sweat. you got a 50-50 chance. It's the best kind of question in the world, right? Well, let me throw a few true or false statements out for you, cold turkey, and see how you do on this. As I read each statement, they're all about critters in the animal kingdom. You've got a chance here. Decide if you think it's true or false. If you think it's true, raise your hand. If you think it's false, just leave your hands down. Okay? Everybody understand? And keep track of your score. They're not prizes. Okay, here we go. Here's the first one. Camels have three sets of eyelashes. True or false? We have one, two, three. Okay, all right. Keep track of your own score. I'm not keeping track of it. Now, here's the next one. Snails can sleep for three months. True or false? Okay. How about this one? It takes a sloth two weeks to digest its food. True or false? Raise your hand if you think it's true. Okay. A cow gives 200,000 glasses of milk in a lifetime. True or false? Raise your hand if you think it's true. 200,000 glasses of milk. Okay, Uh, the pupil of a goat is diagonal. True or false? Diagonal, that was what I said. Okay, all right, how about bats? Let's see, bats always turn right when leaving a cave. True or false? Turn right. Okay, I have some people who are raising their hand every time. They figure they got a chance here. How about this? A group of crows is called a murder. True or false? True. Raise your hand if it's called a murder. All right. And finally, if I don't stop, someone is going to murder me. Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. That last one does not count. All right. So how many got five? Okay. I got it. I didn't tell you the answer. So camels, I should have done that. I was supposed to do that at the time. But anyway, uh, camels have three sets of eyelashes. That is true. Snails can sleep for three years. 
So if you said true, that's false, sorry. It does take a sloth two weeks to digest its food. A cow does give 200,000 glasses of milk in a lifetime. The pupil of a goat is rectangular, not diagonal. Bats do turn the same direction every time they leave a cave, but it's left, not right. It makes me want to go back and check all those Batman movies to see if they got it right. A group of crows is called a murder, and yes, if I don't stop, you probably will murder me. Anyway, so how many of you got five or more right? Okay, good. Uh, that's pretty good guessing. A couple of them were kind of tricky. That snail fact was kind of fascinating. Can you imagine taking a three-year nap? If I keep droning on, yes. And goats, like I said, rectangular pupils, that's not as clear as it could be, but if you go look them up on Google, you can clearly see that it's a rectangle every single time. Anyway, does it matter whether you got these right or wrong? No, not, not at all. <laughs> it matters to some, I know. But these are pretty trivial matters. They're not things that you need to know on a daily basis, I don't suppose. You can kind of just shrug your shoulders and move on. Yeah, it was kind of fun to learn something, but it doesn't really matter. So do true or false questions matter more in any circumstances that you can think of? They do in biblical matters, don't they? Whether something's true or false. So think on these statements. Are they true or false based on the Bible's words? And I'm not going to make you raise your hand or not. But listen. Do they match up with what the Bible teaches us? Or is this just something that's made up? Salvation is by faith in Jesus apart from works. True. God created all things, both the visible and the invisible. True. Satan is equal with God in power and influence. False. All the wise sayings of Proverbs were written by King Solomon. False. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. True. Lust is the same as adultery in God's eyes. True. A good person becomes an angel when they die. False. Okay. We have to base what we know to be true on what the Bible teaches and not on some other basis. We have to understand what is true based upon what God says. And I hope you did okay on that one. You, we were kind of answering together out loud, and it sounded like everybody's got that. So were any of these true or false statements trivial? Maybe the one on Solomon, whether he wrote all the Proverbs or not. But the rest of them, they matter. It matters a lot what the Bible says. The rest of them are weightier matters, uh, certainly weightier than the digestion cycle of a sloth or the left-turning proclivity of bats. True or false in biblical matters matters. It's important for you to read and study and know the, what the Bible says for yourself. It's equally important for you to read it so that you know whether what's being taught to you by a preacher, whether they're on TV or in person or whatever, that, that what they're saying is true because their truth has to be based upon what the Bible says as well. And so it's important who you let teach you about the Bible. If I ever go off in left field, you, you need to walk out the door. So, what did Jesus say? 
listen to him as he speaks to his disciples, as the crowds eavesdrop in. That's really what happened on the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to his disciples, and everybody else is kind of listening in. There's a crowd around him. And I'm going to read Matthew 7, verses 15 to 20 in just a second. Please follow along. I want you to hear what Jesus says. Heed his warning. Matthew records Jesus' words for us in, again, Matthew 7, verses 15 to 20. We talked about this in Sunday school last week. You should be coming to Sunday school if you're not, because we're getting great teaching during Sunday school as well. Again, this is Matthew 7, starting at verse 15 and going through 20. It says this, Jesus is speaking. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Those first two words ought to instruct us at all times. Watch out. He's calling on his followers to pay attention when prophets or teachers show up and begin speaking and begin teaching. He's saying, be discerning. Why? Because false prophets look good, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves seeking to tear into a lamb or two. Seeking to deceive and turn people away from God. Reminds me of another thing that Jesus said in another place. In, in John chapter 10, he puts himself forward as the good shepherd who cares for the sheep. And after talking about how the sheep know his voice, he talks about thieves and robbers that are going to come in and try to snatch the sheep out of the pen. And in verse 10, he says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Who's the thief he's referring to? Now, many times I've probably taught this, and I know many think that it's the devil here, and it could possibly be, but I'm, I'm not so sure that the thief here that Jesus is describing at this moment is, in fact, the devil himself. To be sure, the devil is an enemy that we should watch out for, but the context here in John doesn't seem to point to him as the thief in this case. Looking at the verses around this one, Jesus seems to be referring, as he did in Matthew 7, to false teachers or false prophets, false saviors. In verse 8 of John, he refers to all who have come before me. Those are the thieves and the robbers, those who are trying to deceive people and turn them away from God. Of course, they may be inspired by Satan, but he's talking about false teachers here. If we look at the specific context, it's likely that he's talking about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. It's them who he's calling thieves and robbers. They're the ones that Jesus is talking about in this moment and saying they're leading you astray. They're telling you that it's all about works and all about doing the right thing and showing off and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to get to that in just a second. All right, false prophets, teachers, preachers, whatever, false False teachers are recognized by their fruit, what they do, what they say, so pay attention. That's Jesus' word. True or false, you need to ask that every time somebody makes a statement. We're going to spend the rest of our time today, and because I couldn't fit everything in next week too, looking at passages which help us to determine if a teaching or a teacher is, 
is one or the other, whether they're true or whether they're false. There's lots of material to examine in God's word which helps us to differentiate between truth and falsehood. We're mainly going to look at the New Testament, what it has to say to us about what's true and what's false, but I think it's vital to understand that false teaching wasn't new in Jesus' day. It didn't appear suddenly on the scene when the church came into being. There were false prophets centuries before Jesus was born to a virgin in Bethlehem. In fact, the same man, Isaiah, who at God's prompting spoke these words of prophecy, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, the same prophet also later in his life spoke of false prophets. Interestingly, Isaiah spoke of them in the context of God's victory over them. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 44, verses 24 through 26. Again, this is God speaking through Isaiah to his people. He's wanting them to understand what's going to happen. And here's what it says. It says, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord, the maker of all things, who stretches out the heavens, who spreads out the earth by myself, who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of diviners who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense, who carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers. You can tell the difference between a false prophet and a true prophet by whether the thing they say comes true or whether what they say is according to what God has said. Jeremiah also speaks of false prophets. He's told the people that a famine is coming. God's predicted that a famine is coming. God says it's going to happen, but there's false prophets who say, nah, it's not going to happen. God's going to give us plenty. He's going to provide for us, but Jeremiah remains faithful. And here's what God speaks through Jeremiah in chapter 14, verse 14. It says, then the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them or appointed them or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatries, and the delusions of their own minds. Ezekiel, Hosea, Micah, Zechariah, they all speak of false prophets. Prophets who are speaking words not from God, seeing visions not given by him. They're speaking their own words and making stuff up. The message of the Old Testament is that false prophets speak their own words, not God's. They have not heard from him, yet they speak. There are also reports of on their own prophets in the narrative sections of the Old Testament. We read one of those accounts looking at the life of Micaiah about a month or so ago. Perhaps you recall there was a false prophet who walked up to Micaiah and slapped him. He slapped God's man and then he, he, he asked, which way did the spirit of the Lord go when he went from me to speak to you, the false prophet, he was pretty full of himself and pretty sure he had heard from God. And so he confronted Micaiah. And if you remember, Micaiah prophesied his doom because he was teaching falsely. There have been false teachers and false prophets for millennia. 
They were not a new problem when Jesus warned that they would show their faces again and again and again in the ages to come. And we are to expect that they're here now and will continue to be here until Jesus returns. Jesus wants to make sure that we are aware so that we can be on our guard. Religious hucksters are coming, and they're coming to plenty. <laughs> we need to see what the Bible says to us about them so that we can avoid being sucked in by fakery. The earlier passage that we looked at was from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The words we're going to read now are from another message of Jesus's. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about the signs that he's going to come back. And in that passage, he warns again of a day when false prophets and false messiahs are going to abound. For our purposes today, we're going to read verses 23 through 27. False prophets are mentioned earlier in the same passage, in the same chapter, But the words that are there, the earlier ones, are generally the same sort of thing that we read in Matthew chapter 7, just saying, it's going to happen, watch out. So let me read Matthew 24, 23 to 25, and he's talking about what's to come. Here's what it says, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time, and that should be 23 through 25. There we go. So, hear your master's words to you. Signs and wonders in and of themselves are not evidence of God's blessing. That's important. What a person teaches matters more than whether they can perform miracles or not. Don't be caught up in the excitement of watching the power show and miss the truth detours that you're being taken on during the teaching time. To be sure, displays of miraculous power and seeming answers to prayer, they might be from God, and often they are when we're praying in faith. These things are not evidence A person is a false teacher. They simply are not proof a person is not a deceiver. Listen to what the man or the woman standing before you is saying. Do their words line up with the Bible? Are they true or are they false? I think we'll look at further words from Jesus are in order here. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. Yeah, I know, I could have saved you a few page turns, but this made more logical sense in this order to me. So here we go. Look at Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Jesus' words in these verses are once again a warning. He said, watch out for false prophets. They caution all of us. They caution both the teacher and the learner here. So listen to Jesus. Again, this is Matthew 7, 21 to 23. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. What matters in the life of a believer, no matter their gifts and position and abilities, is this, doing the will of the Father. And as crazy as it sounds, even Jesus operated on this basis. 
In John chapter 5, Jesus is criticized for healing on the Sabbath, which seems like a really dumb thing to criticize somebody about, but that's what he was criticized for. He's criticized for healing on the Sabbath, and he responds with truth that those who are decrying his work had not taken into consideration. So listen to what Jesus says. This is John 5, verses 19 and 20. He says to those who have accused him of doing the wrong thing, who have accused him of working on the Sabbath, and so he can't possibly be from God, he says this, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed." Jesus could only do what he saw the Father doing, only what the Father willed. He knew what the Father willed because he was in close relationship with the Father, and he knew the Father. This is the second thing that stands out in Jesus' words. Those who are in the kingdom will do the Father's will. Those who enter the kingdom enter because they know and are known by God. That's the implication of Jesus' words back in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. When the Father rejects those who had prophesied in his name and driven out demons in his name and done miracles in his name, all things that are great and wonderful if you're submitted to God and doing his will, when he's confronted those who had done that, he says, I never knew you. So what matters is that you know God, that you're in connection to him and doing what he's given you to do. Do you know God as your Father? Does He know you? There's no question that matters more than that one. I cannot teach rightly without knowing God, without seeking to know His will for my life. You cannot follow God's will for your life unless you know Him. If you do not know God through faith in Jesus Christ, take care of this lack of knowledge and do it now. Pray, confess your sin to God, acknowledge your need of a Savior, choose Jesus as your Savior. He is the only one who can save. He is the only way to the Father. Believe in him and live for him. Paul's words from Ephesians 2 can guide us here. I want you to hear what God's word says, what the Spirit inspired Paul to write down, and it's in verses 1 through 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. And this is the truth. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the king of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's grace is available to all who will believe on him. Those who trust in Jesus for salvation gain salvation. 
Then when the sin problem is taken care of in the heart of each believer, they can live out their calling. They can do the good that God prepared for them to do. We're saved from sin and saved to know God and to know his will for us. All right, we've got one more passage to look at this morning. Just one more we're going to cover, and we're going to read the first few verses at the beginning of Matthew chapter 23. In this chapter, Jesus boldly rebukes the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. These two groups weren't necessarily always teaching falsely, but their actions made them dangerous, and sometimes it's the actions getting out of skew that should warn us. So hear now what Jesus told the crowds and his disciples about these men. I'm reading Matthew 23, and I'm starting at verse 2 and going through 12, and this is what Jesus says. He's speaking here. He says, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels of their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven." Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What are the problems that Jesus highlights? His first message is watch out for hypocritical teachers. Men and women who don't practice the good things that they promote in the messages that they give. A man or a woman who preaches God's word but does not live out what the Bible says in their daily lives is a problem. Such a person is not the kind of teacher you need. One who speaks from experience about following the Spirit of God in obedience, that's who you need, right? In order to help others to live for Jesus, the teacher has to live for Jesus. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense otherwise. Please understand, no preacher is perfect in their execution of godly living. Jesus is not warning against those who fail from time to time, who walk by the flesh instead of by the Spirit from time to time, but against those who make no effort to follow God's word. He's concerned about those who say, do as I say, not as I do. The second problematic behavior, besides the hypocritical not practicing what they preach, the second behavior that Jesus points out is fame or praise-seeking. Show-offs draw attention away from Jesus. Calling on people to see just how righteous they are. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me bad form in general, ungodly in a teacher. If I ever get that way, someone smack me. Any volunteers? I see that hand. Okay, good. (laughs) It should be noted that suggesting someone follow your example is not ruled out entirely. It's not wrong to say follow my example. 
but let's follow the way that Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That puts pressure on the teacher, doesn't it? Puts pressure on them to truly follow after Jesus. This statement could only push Paul and the church to live more like their master. That's the point of Jesus' final words in this passage from Matthew 23. It's not seeking titles which exalt one person over another. The eyes of all, both the teachers and the teachees, all of the eyes are on the one who saves, the one who can make clean, the one who offers righteousness by faith, the one who empowers godly living. Eyes on Jesus. Eyes on the Father. Listen to the Spirit. Now, you can call me Pastor Mike if you like, I guess. But please understand that that title does not indicate any sort of superiority. I am simply a member of the church who has a specific role in helping believers to understand God's word and how to live out faith in the world. God gifted me for the benefit of the church not to exalt or honor me. (laughs) If anything I say or do helps you to walk more faithfully with Jesus, all praise and thanks goes to him. Now, the New Testament has a lot more to say about true and false teachers. We've heard Jesus speak today. Next week, we're going to let the Spirit speak to us through the inspired words of his followers from the letters that Paul wrote and Peter and several others. We're going to listen to them warn against false teachers and prophets as well. So between now and next Sunday, and even beyond then, keep in mind what Jesus said, watch out. Pay attention, be on your guard, watch out for false prophets, don't be torn to shreds by those ferocious wolves, don't be deceived by fancy words or fancy clothes or fancy miracles. Note their actions. Are they practicing what they preach? Or are they showing off, seeking attention for themselves and drawing attention away from Jesus? Plenty to think on. We have to keep our eyes on the Father. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to know the Father, and we can only know him through Jesus and through faith in him. And then, as we know him, we do what he commands us. In the moment, and what he commands in general in God's word. Listening to the Spirit, being discerning, doing His will is what we're about. Nothing more than he wills, nothing less than he wills. God, help us to be attentive to what you're doing. Help us to be attentive to what you want. God, I pray that as we close today that you would speak to us. We allow this space, this time of silence so that we can hear you. God, help us to be alert this week to false teachings. There's plenty out there. Plenty of false things being said this way or that about what's going on in the world. Help us to be discerning. Help us to hear your spirit. God, we submit to you now, and I pray, God, that you would help us to respond correctly in our hearts 
in this time of silence and then respond correctly with our feet and our hands and our eyes and everything that we have in the days to come. We sit here in your presence and listen. God, we're going to hear false things this week. We've heard them this last week. We've heard people say that abortion is the right of a woman when we know that it's never the right of anyone to kill another. We've heard that we should be proud of sexual deviancy when your word tells us that Sexuality is to be expressed by a man and a woman in a marriage covenant. The world teaches falsehood all the time. And sometimes it comes from the mouths of those who claim to be teachers of truth, who quote the Bible and twist it to their own means. And I pray, God, that you would shut the mouths of those who are false. God, help us to be bold and brave. God, help us to cling to what your word says and what your spirit says to us and not to our own made-up ideas. Help us to hear you and you alone and to do your will and to speak the words that you give us wherever we are, in whatever circumstance we find ourselves. Thank you for your presence with us today. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.